to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 18, Tin Man. I was waiting for this one, because this is the ones I actually remembered that I liked. <gasps> yeah, this is a, yeah, I think this is one of the few episodes where it's like, yes, that episode, I know that one. Like, mm-hmm. everybody, you say Tin Man, they're like, I know exactly what episode that is. And I was always so surprised that they never did any, like, callbacks to this episode. No, season four. They come back. They do? Double do Jeopardy. Season four. Yep. Oh, they do? Okay. Why do I forget all of these things? This, this whole rewatch Why do I remember? is a great one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I forget absolutely everything until I'm actually watching the episode, and then all of a sudden my brain is like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool, because I had misremembered. I thought that they never made any callbacks to these people. Yeah, yeah not till season four, though, like late season four, even. It, it It is a while before they come back, but we will well, see. Maybe, the- maybe one of the writers was watching the early seasons, and they were like, huh, hey, guys. <laughs> but this thing. Remember that one? Can we do yeah. that again? Can we do something yeah. with that? Well, this episode, Tin Man, originally aired on February 13th, 1998. It was written by Jeffrey F. King and directed by Jimmy Kaufman. In this episode, when SG-1 visits the underground warehouse of an advanced alien civilization, the area's caretaker transplants their minds into robotic duplicates, a gift of immortality. I definitely think we should discuss in there, is immortality a gift? Do you want to wait till we get there or do you want to talk about it right now? Oh, let's let's warm into it. Let's work it okay. out. We'll get okay. there later. So this episode, we sort of pan up this large um, vat thing, and we're in like a large warehouse-looking room, and we see the gate turn off from behind, which is just sort of new shot of the gate. Um, and SG One walks out, and Jack does uh, a little welcoming speech in his best airline pilot imitation, welcoming everybody to the planet. And they're just kind of walking around, trying to figure out, you know, where exactly they are, what's going on. And they see this large metal sphere thing kind of floating above them. And it's there's a light coming from it, but they don't seem to be any people there. And Daniel comments that the technology seems quite advanced and Tilk has not seen anything like it before. But everything was kind of like old and run down. So like the stuff that's there has been there for a while, but the technology itself is quite advanced, even if it's been sitting around for a while. Uh, So then Sam finds something that looks like a computer and starts kind of poking at it when there's this loud, high-pitched squealing kind of noise. And Jack's like, ah, that's not a good sound. Let's go back to the gate. And But before they can get there, they're all zapped by some kind of light and fall to the floor as we cut to the opening credits. So, fun fact, this location is actually the now-defunct Portman Power Station in Surrey, British Columbia. Oh, Uh, really? Yeah. So, SG-1, they actually film, there are going to be three or four more episodes here. Like, Supergirl is filmed here, Battlestar Galactica filmed there, The Flash, a bunch of, like, you know, Vancouver sci-fi shows have used this location. Um, And when I was, you know, doing my research, as I do, um... The town of Portman was actually supposed to be one of those sort of like model towns with, you know, everything's like super structured and everything. And it was going to be one of the terminus points for the Northern Railway line. Um, But that ended up like not happening. And now there's like nothing there. The railway ended up not happening? Yeah, the railway ended up not happening. (laughs) Well, it ended up like not being like the terminus. So like if you like the railway goes through there but there I mean there is a town of Portman but it's like nothing like it had been planned to be so I just thought that's that was so sad yeah <laughs> wait so, so in your research so was it that they like built everything and it just never was occupied or they didn't even get to build it no it only got to like the planning stages they didn't really build much like they built like the power station and stuff because you know there is a town there um but they ended up not needing it because the town never sort of grew as it they had hoped it would be so yeah but 
so we come back from the credits and we see Jack and Sam laying on some kind of table bed thing. And they are also no longer in their SG-1 uniforms, which is vaguely disturbing that somebody maybe perhaps undress them and put them in other clothes. Um, but they wake up and start to look around. They also notice that like all their gear is gone too. And then they find Daniel and Tilk who slowly wake up and they all appear unharmed though, at least, which is good. And in comes. I, I did notice that Daniel was not wearing his glasses. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm, I was going to get to that in just a second. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? But yeah, so Daniel doesn't have his glasses. But, I mean, other than that, they all appear, you know, perfectly fine and unharmed and stuff. And, uh, come try Enter Harlan. Is there a fun fact of what that actually means? I could, I, no, I tried putting it in, like, Google, it's no, I don't know. Because it, he uses it in multiple contexts, like, either it's yeah. a greeting or, like, kind of like a eureka. Or, like, yay, kind good, of yeah. Thing. It seems to be an all sort of purpose, a happy word. All-purpose all yay. <laughs> all-purpose yay. Uh, but here we have another square for Vancouver Actors Bingo with Jay Brazau, who actually was nominated for a Gemini Award for Best Performance by an Actor in a Guest Role for this episode. Oh, so, really? Yeah. The Ge- If you don't know, the Gemini Awards are basically like the Canadian Emmy Awards. So he did not win, but he was nominated, which is pretty cool. Well, that's, um, that's when you need to say it was just an honor to be nominated. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, dude comes in, weird language. So Jack's like, hey, Daniel. And so, you know, Daniel does his thing. But as always, Harlan speaks English. But I, I will give them credit. It's like sort of alien English. Like it's not perfectly how Earth people would speak English like. And I think Jay does a really good job, like, with his voice, too, of sounding. Like, the intonations of some things are a little, like, just off enough that it's, like... Mm-hmm. Not, not what you normally speak. Yeah, it's not sort of normal standard English. Um, but so then there's that funny moment when, like, Daniel introduces himself and, like, holds his hand out for a handshake. And Harlan's like, oh, that's your greeting. And just, like, holds out his hand, too, but doesn't, you know shake Daniel's hand because obviously he has no idea what a handshake is mm-hmm. so their hand are just sort of like hanging out in the air between them and just okay um but anyway Jack's not amused by this and he wants to know why they were attacked and Harlan's like oh no oh no it's all right you were I, I I get why you would think that but no no we, you weren't attacked and he's like are you experiencing like any pain or any after effects it's like of of what why would they be experiencing pain uh, but okay so but no luckily everybody's fine and Harlan is glad to hear that uh, because SG-1 are really wonderful specimens especially Sam oh yeah yeah so Jack asks where their stuff is and if you know they can have it back but he's like no sorry it's gone and so this is he finally introduces himself as Harlan the last survivor of Altair which is apparently the planet that they're on so I did some Googling about Altair, see if I could figure out maybe where that name came from. And mm-hmm. the Altair 8800 was a microcomputer designed in 1974. And it's credited as being the first com- the first commercially successful personal computer that launched the microcomputer revolution. And microcomputer in the sense of not the size of a room computer. Yeah. They were up to that point. So that might be a little hint about, you know, if if the title of the episode didn't give it away, if you know about the Altair, that might be another little hint about what's going on in this episode. He then tells them, so when Jack had asked for their stuff, he's like, no, sorry, it's gone. And then, but here he then goes, your weapons are this way. And like, I thought that was weird. The room. So I was like, okay, so, so is their stuff gone or do you still like have it? It's, I was a little confused about that whole thing, um, unless it was just sort of a mistranslation internally of to him about what the English word he needed to say was about it being gone, but not gone. I don't know. But yeah, I was a little confused by that. Okay, is your stuff gone or is it, is it somewhere else? I'm trying to think of at the end of the episode if they actually do have all of their weapons. Well... We'll get to that in a second. So 
Um, as he's leading them around, we get a little information, and apparently this complex that we're in is actually below ground because there is much radiation on the surface. Uh, he says, outside is above, we are under, and that they're now in section three, which has been having a lot of mechanical issues lately, but he's leading them to section four. And so here, Daniel does the whole, we'd love to learn about your culture thing, um, and about like what happened, and Harlan just kind of brushes him off, and Jack's like, well, we've got all the time in the world, <laughs> and, and Harlan just kind of chuckles, like he knows something mm -hmm. that SG-1 doesn't. Also, there's like there's a cut here, and so they actually now have their weapons back. Like you can see, Jack and Sam like have their guns on, and like Tilk has a staff weapon. Um, oh. And so, yeah, there must have been a cut scene where they actually like got their stuff, but Daniel is still missing his glasses, and he doesn't seem to think that's strange. Which, as you know, glasses wear. If I woke up and could see without my glasses, I'd be like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I would think that was really weird. Yes. Uh, but then Daniel finally asks how long Harlan has been on his own. And Harlan thinks for a minute and he goes, uh, 99,207,000 of your hours. So a how long, how does Harlan know how long an earth hour is? But then Jack immediately responds with, that's 11,000 years. Like, immediately. Jack goes, wow, that's 11,000 years. And Sam's like, how did you know that? And Jack's like, wait, that's right. I was right. How, wait, how did, how did you know that? How did we all know that? How did you know that? How did you know that I knew that? Like, so, like, something's up. Something is up with SG-1 because, I mean, Jack's smart, but that's not kind of the mental math you can do in, like, 0.2 seconds. It took him to come out with 11,000 years. Right. So... And, but apparently Harlan has made them all better. And Daniel does admit to feeling great. He's like, yeah, I feel great. This is good. This is good. And Jack asks how they have been made better. Harlan does not answer. And Jack's like, I'm going to, I'm going to ask. And he does that whole, I'm going to ask you one more time. How did you make us better? And he's like, nothing. Okay. So SG1's going to go. They're, they're leaving. Bye. So they head back to the gate, dial Earth, and Harlan tries to stop them from leaving by telling them it's unsafe. And Daniel's like, what is unsafe? And Harlan still doesn't answer, just that there's so much that they have to learn first. So SG-1 just goes. And Harlan yelling that they'll be back. And then the gate shuts down, and Harlan is left alone. And I act, I kind of feel bad for him, because he just looks so sad. That, that yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Poor guy. Well, knowing what we know now, he was like, yeah. he just, he's, oh, all of it. Nobody likes him. All of his friends <laughs> left. Yeah. Um, so back at the SGC, everyone is in the infirmary getting checked out, and Dr. Fraser asks Jack how he's feeling, and he says he's never felt better, which is actually a little worrying, because presumably, you know, all the general old people aches and pains are gone, mm -hmm. and. Dr. Fraser goes, yeah, there's something that has me worried, too. And uh, Jack has no heartbeat. Weird. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to need a blood sample. So she goes to take one, except uh, she doesn't extract blood. It's this weird milky white substance. Jack, you know, rightly so, freaks out. Like, get, he's like, get this shit out of me. What is this? Get it out of me. And Dr. Fraser orders x-rays for everyone. And then we see Tilk kind of pull open his shirt. And he no longer has a symbiote pouch. So Jack grabs Scalpel and, like, cuts his arm open from, like, wrist to elbow. There, There's no blood. It's machinery. Uh... What? I don't okay. know if I would have gone to that extreme. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I was like, check what? But okay. Um, so Dr. Frazier runs over to the wall, pushes an alarm button and calls for security and like armed guards rush in and Daniel's like, hey, whoa, what's with security? And then like Jack's all, it's just us. And then General Hammond finally comes in and she tells him that Jack is not Jack and Jack does his oh for crying out loud it's me so that's how you know it's Jack cuz he has his, the trademark for crying out loud and then Hammond sees sees the the blood or the the you know substance and is like i well what's that that's not blood and orders them to be put in a holding cell and Jack tries to like plead with him that this is all just like a misunderstanding 
by telling him things that only like the real Jack would know about how his wife died of cancer and the names of his granddaughters, which fun fact, Tessa and Kayla are the names of Brad Wright's daughters. Aww. So that's where those names came from. And, but through this whole thing, Hammond is just sort of being very calm, but very stern and just comply with these directions. You won't be hurt. Just go with the guards. You'll be fine. So eventually they do, and they're led away by the guards to a holding cell somewhere. Then we cut to some time later, and Hammond and Dr. Frazier are discussing what's going on. And Hammond brings up that they certainly seem to believe that they are SG-1, and how could Jack, quote-unquote, have known what he knows if he's not Jack? And Dr. Frazier then adds that, given our history with the ghoul-keeping SG-1 here, could be dangerous. So it kind of seems like they're working with the assumption that this is like a ghouled trick or sabotage of some kind, which... Some sort of ghouled trap. Yeah, which isn't, I mean, not really that far-fetched, I think, at this point in the series, because... They're the big bad guys out there. This is... They're crafty. They are. So we cut to the holding room, and Daniel is, like, staring at his hands, completely mesmerized by the fact that he's not flesh and blood, and, like, just about how much better he feels. And then he wonders why Harlan didn't just tell them what he'd done. And Sam's response is interesting. She goes, probably afraid we damage him. Not hurt him, but damage him. Which I just thought was interesting. Yeah, because that's what they say for the rest of the episode of your, the robots, you're damaging me. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know if it was like, you know, a sort of subconscious thing of I'm not human, so you can't hurt me, but I'm machinery, so I can be damaged kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Tilk mentions that even though he doesn't have his symbiote, he can still feel it kind of like a phantom limb scenario thing. And Daniel's sort of calm acceptance almost of this situation just seems to like piss Jack off like a lot. He's like, this is not a good situation that we're in. Like, why, why are you okay with this almost? And they get into like this whole argument discussion about how they can't hold them in there forever. And like, we have rights. It's like, Oh, do we? Yes, we do. We're still human. Well, no, you're not. And Carter goes, well, now we know why Harlan said that we would be back because obviously he's the only one that knows, like, what happened to them. So then Hammond comes in and says that he's sending SG-5 back to the planet to find out what happened. And Jack tells him not to do that because Harlan would only do to them what he did to SG-1, which Sam then explains that she believes Harlan transferred their consciousnesses into the bodies that they're in because he thinks it's better And Daniel then at this point comes to the realization that Harlan is probably artificial too. I think, I I mean, he's 11,000 years old, at least (laughs) like you couldn't have gotten there a little sooner. Um, But then like Daniel starts to like rub his eyes and Jack looks like he's about to pass out when he tells him and that like, they need to go back now. And then Sam and Tilk also like double over, like they're in pain or like having trouble breathing. And so Hammond calls for Dr. Frazier and we cut to the gate room with Airmen helping SG-1, like, into the room and, like, up the ramp. And Hammond says they'll send another team through in an hour. And Jack, again, insists not to do that. And then we cut to Altair as SG-1 come falling through the gate and, like, rolling down the stairs. And do you find it weird that when when Jack, you know, when they were all double over in pain and, and Jack turned to Hammond and was like, we need to go back, that... Instead of keeping them there, he was like, all right, get him out. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And actually kind of listened to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you know, with the conversation he had with Dr. Frazier earlier about how this might be, you know, some kind of trap or sabotage from the Gould. They know where they went before. They can take precautions for that. They're not just sort of sending them out willy nilly, I guess. Well, I, I thought it was more indicative that he you know, believed he was more a person than machine at that point. Ah. He wasn't, he wasn't fully invested in the idea that this was like some sort of evil Android. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I think it's good. He listened. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I think Hammond is learning as we all are, you know, with what's happening out there and like what these people are capable of and who, how much they can be trusted. And I think he's learned 
that SG-1 can be trusted and listened to. So that was interesting. Yes. So on Altair, they immediately seem better. And Sam suggests that perhaps they like ran out of energy because if the bodies they're in are machines, they would need a power source. And obviously that power source is there on Altair. So in comes Harlan. Welcome back. He was getting worried. And Jack's like, oh, no, no, no. Jack is like pissed off, like picks up Harlan, like shoves him up against the gate. Like, what did you do to us? And then Sam cautions that, you know, he's the only one that can put them back in their bodies. And Harlan's like, oh, no, that can't be done. The process is permanent and their bodies are gone. But isn't this better? No, no, Harlan. No, this is not not better. Not for them. No. So. We then cut to Harlan leading them through the complex again, and he brings them to a large room with those beds they woke up on before and tells them to rest. So then an alarm goes off and a voice announces there is a leak in the secondary coils. And apparently this is why Harlan needs SG-1, because this place is just too big to be maintained by one person. So... Question for you. So in doing my you know, research for this episode, there's apparently some speculation that Christopher Judge is the voice of the alarm, uh, you know, obviously modulated and, you know, computerized. Oh. I couldn't find there's no credit for this voice anywhere. So I don't know. I think it's possible. What do you think? Do you think I think it is possible. Oh, I don't know. I'd have to listen to it with that in mind. OK, well, when we're done, you can go rewatch it. And um, I will. <laughs> that's an interesting thought I love it when there's stuff like that happening yes so Daniel tries to get Jack to rest but he won't he's just like pacing around the room and Sam says that Harlan was right about this place being in like really bad shape and Jack's like I say let this place fall down and so goes to condemn Harlan is to condemn ourselves and Jack like really doesn't care because in case you haven't noticed we're robots we are robots that Jack does not like this like at all So he then, like, goes and, like, takes off after Harlan. And Daniel and Sam then have an interesting discussion sort of about the predicament that they find themselves in and the fact that they might now live for, like, 11,000 years. And Sam doesn't really seem to like that idea. And Daniel just, like, is, like, fascinated because, like, I mean, the human body is just a machine. So why does it matter for, like, you know, like, machine machine versus, like, natural machine? And Sam's like, okay, but have you felt, like, hunger or thirst? since this happened is like okay well no but like apparently they have all those sort of general tactile sensations that humans do so but then Tilt suddenly stands up and walks out of the room and Daniel and Sam kind of look at each other for a second and then follow but they don't see him in the hallway he apparently disappeared very quickly so they start walking in one direction, but then the camera cuts to Tilk, who's like leaning against the wall, sort of like around the corner in the opposite direction that Sam and Daniel went, like taking really deep breaths and almost seems to be having like a panic attack, which if they're robots, why are they breathing? Uh, you know, I would guess that was just kind of part of built into their okay. programming. Like it's just a natural instinctive thing they do. They probably don't need it. Right. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, so Tilk like kind of like presses his hands to his head and we hear the sort of the symbiote squealy noise thing before he like falls to the ground and kind of has what looks like a seizure. So something is going very wrong with uh, Tilk at this point. Tilk buddy. But we cut to Jack and Harland who are working to repair the leak and Jack is still trying to get Harlan to tell him, like, what happened with their bodies when Sam and Daniel come in. And they ask if, if uh, Jack has seen Tilk. Obviously, no, he hasn't. And then Jack asks Harlan why they did this, like, all of this, the building, the whole robot body thing, like, all of this, like, what, like, what happened? Why is this what your life is now? And basically, the planet was dying and the atmosphere could no longer support life. So his people built this place and did what they did so that even if they could not save everyone, they could save some. And at first there were a thousand people, but over time it's now just Harlan. Some of the people had issues with the transfer process, including the creator of all of it. Some went through the gate with portable power sources, but never returned Some could not accept what had happened to them and so went up to the surface to end their existence. 
And then the last one, Wallace gave his life in an accident to save Harlan. So it's it's been quite tragic here on Altair for everybody except Harlan, apparently. Harlan's yeah, Harlan's just like, hey, that's cool. We'll just keep on keeping on. We'll fix yeah. it. You yeah. know, put some rugs, some lamps. Just yeah. need some art on the wall. Just a little bit of atmosphere. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Harlan then asks Daniel to help with the repair. And it, he basically seems to be trying to get SG-1 to see this in as positive a light as possible. He's like, you're, we're friends. You're helpful. This is good. And Jack's like, no, we're not friends. We're not. We just want to go home. We don't then, even like you. We don't like you. Let us go home. And then there's like a loud bang and another alarm. And apparently the power source is failing, like their power source, like for the robot bodies. So if they don't fix it, they'll all die. So we then find ourselves in a control room. And apparently what has happened is that a valve has rusted shut due to the acid rain on the surface. And the tube that the valve is on draws heat from the planet's core for power. I think, but it's now like overheating. And so they they just need to reopen valves and other vent shafts to, you know, let some heat out. So it doesn't just like burn down the building, I guess. And it's urgent that they do this quickly because they're all like running on reserve power of like a couple hours. And Jack mentions that they could use Tilk's help and Harlan just kind of brushes Tilk off with a, he's different comment. So, yeah, something's up with Tilk, and Harlan seems to know what, but isn't telling SG-1. So, but what's going on now is Harlan had to close several of the vents, so they have to open other ones to reroute the ventilation, and he shows Daniel and Sam on a map where the vents that they need to open are, and Sam's like, great, how do we find them? And Harlan's like, you have all the knowledge that you need. So apparently, in addition to, like, transferring their consciousnesses, he also implanted them with information about this facility, which is kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. It's a little weird, but okay. Um, But so off Daniel and Sam go to find one of the vents. And then... You'd think if he would have done that... Sorry, I'm interjecting. You'd think if he would have done that, he would have also interjected, like, knowledge of their history... And them already knowing what they are to be okay with it. Maybe that's the thing that caused issues with people not being able to accept it when they, you know, did it originally. Like you wake up and know you're a robot and your mind just goes, nope, and like can't. So maybe Mm. that's news that's better left for later. (laughs) Because this way was better. (laughs) (laughs) It's better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah I don't how do how would you break it to somebody that they're now a robot like is there is there a good way to do that oh let's see um, like I need to tell you Rachel you're a robot how how should I do that in a way that doesn't make your brain just stop working because you can't comprehend the news I think you, I think a good way is to ease into it. Like Sam was saying, like, have you noticed that you haven't needed to like eat or drink anything or like you already know something's different. I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Ease them into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But definitely not avoid until I leave the planet and then come back and be like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah. Why yeah. is my blood white? Yes. That's not good. No. No. Um, so Jack goes off to to find one of the other vents and we get the cool thing of like you see him like he's standing on like sort of a catwalk thing and he's maybe like a couple like two stories up from the like ground and we get you can kind of see the gears turning in his head of like, I'm a robot. Can 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 I? And he just then just like jumps over the railing and like just lands on the ground perfectly fine. He's like, whoa. Like, okay, that, that was expression cool. was pretty good when he did that. Yeah. <laughs> I like touching them hard. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then off Jack goes to find one of the other vents. And then so we get this series basically cutting back and forth between Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. 
<laughs> Daniel. <laughs> Sam and Daniel at their vent and like Jack at his vent and then like Harlan back in the control room watching the pressure rising on the, you know, monitor and stuff. And Daniel like just rips the cover off one of the vents is like, well, the, okay, so they're definitely super strong, which is cool. And Daniel like reaches in to get their vent unblocked and Jack is working on his when like a huge blast of steam comes out and sort of like knocks him back. And then we see Tilk come in and Jack's like, great, Tilk, you're here. Help me. But Tilk just punches him. Uh, what the fuck? Just, just knocks him just right in the jaw. And then yeah. like picks Jack up and like slams him against the wall. And so something very, something very wrong, something very wrong. And Jack, like, picks up a pipe that was laying on the ground when he gets, like, when he falls over and, like, swings it at Tilk, but he just blocks it. And it's, like, you know, does the thing of like, the pipe just, like, bends in half, like, around Tilk's arm kind of thing. And then Tilk grabs Jack and throws him into, like, a set of pipes that are, like, coming up out of the ground. And steam starts pouring out of those. And back in the control room, we see that the pressure is going down. So bad Tilk for throwing Jack into the pipes, but... Yay for venting the steam that they needed to vent. Yay! So yay, they did it. Uh, But it's not over yet. We see Tilk grab Jack by like the back of the head and like holds his face over the steam that's like shooting out of the vent that just got knocked into. And Jack screams. And so Sam and Daniel come running. And Jack is now like kind of passed out on the ground, sort of. And Tilk is holding a large pipe, apparently getting ready to, like, bash Jack's brains in with it. And Sam yells for him to stop. And he just kind of, like, looks back but doesn't. And it, like, you know, raises the pipe and goes to do it when suddenly he's, like, just disintegrated. Just He's just gone. Yeah. And Goodbye. We see... <laughs> Goodbye, Tilk. Bye. And so we see Harlan sort of standing, like, behind, like, where Tilk was in front of us holding, like, a ray gun-looking thing. And Sam runs over to check on Jack, who now has, like, a hole in the skin on his face. And we sort of, we see, like, the machinery underneath. And Harlan insists, you know, Jack, you know, we'll be fine. We can repair you. And Tilk will be fine, too. And it's like, you killed Tilk. You can't be fine. You killed him. And he's like, no, 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 no. All will be well. You guys go back to your quarters all will be well. You guys go. And Jack's like, okay, you guys just go follow him. So Sam and Daniel follow Harlan and they stop in front of this large locked door and they bang on it. But Harlan obviously won't open it and let them in. So using their combined super strength that they now have being robots, they're able to just sort of like lift it. It's like, it opens like a garage door, like from top to bottom. And so they just like lift it open and Harlan yells at them to go away and they walk over and see that he is apparently making a new Tilk. What? So apparently when he made the first Tilk, he wasn't familiar with Gould symbiotes and didn't know that like the two minds that were in Tilk couldn't coexist. But now he knows, so he'll do it right this time. Which how... means the second time he's just going to give him like the symbiote brain. <laughs> <laughs> but how can he make a new Tilk if he doesn't have the original Tilk? I know, but I couldn't help notice for this whole scene that as Christopher Judge was reading this, like, so for this whole scene, you just need me lying on the table, seemingly naked, covered in goo. Covered in goo, yeah. All right, for the whole time. Yep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Making my money today. (laughs) Yes. Easy day for for Christopher. Yeah. Um. So Jack then comes in and yells at Harlan to like turn off the machine that's making the new tilk. And Harlan tries to insist that the process is not complete. No, like stop the machine. So he does. And then Jack very calmly and very firmly asks one last time, do our bodies, our real bodies exist somewhere? Turns out the answer is yes to that Mm. question. So Harlan was lying earlier. They're like, great, put us back. And that's impossible. Okay, why? So Harlan leads them to another room where the original SG-1 are all laying on those little bed things with their mouths taped shut, but seemingly awake and alert-ish. 
Um, so this isn't a case of like transferring a consciousness from an organic body to a mechanical one. It would, he just made copies like their original cells still fully exist as they were. And Harlan's plan was to like make the copies, make sure everything is fine. Then send the original organic SG one back home completely unharmed and also unknowing that he had made copies of them, like he, like the 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 mechanical and the organics were never supposed to meet. So, Oops. yeah, that plan didn't work, and Jack's pissed because the not SG one can never go home. They're stuck. They can't go back to Earth. You know what um, I found interesting was that I say like when they take the tape off of Jack, yeah. and he just looks at Harlan. He's like Harlan. Where you been? What's going on, man? Yeah. Which means that they had spoken to him yeah. since getting hit with whatever yeah. ray gun or whatever they got hit with at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So, like, so, what, what did Harlan tell them? That was one of my questions. Is like, he's like, yeah, I've been busy, 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 you know, like, creating synthetic versions of you and saving the planet. Busy, busy. Yay. So, but, like, what if, if organic SG-1 were not supposed to know that mechanical SG-1 existed, Harlan still had to tell them something. So, yeah, yeah like, what, I, like, what did I he tell I don't them? even know, because they, they looked fine, but they also did look to be restrained. Yeah. So, like, the whole conversation, like, when, you know, the organic SG-1 wakes up, it almost seems like they let him do that, or, like, they let themselves be held captive. For it, because they don't seem like they don't usually like reach for guns and stuff and like try to take Harlan down. They're just kind of like, oh hey, Harlan, what's up? We're you know like yeah, they don't seem frightened at all or defensive. No, no. it's very mm-hmm. weird. I can't even imagine what would have happened in between there. No, that's I think that's sort of the big plot hole of this episode is like, what did he tell Organic SG One, and why did they agree to quote unquote help? him because apparently they did somehow but then we get you know the scene we get the fun thing of like everybody like with their doubles and stuff we get like double shanks which is always great and we get like double sams (laughs) and everybody except for tilk he's like well did i get a copy too it's like yeah well we had to destroy it sorry but long story <laughs> so, um, and then oh, there's a funny thing where uh, the Sams are talking about how you know this can't be possible because of the uncertainty principle, and like, and Robot Sam is like, well, here I am. They're completely identical, right down to the mole on there. <clears throat> so apparently, Sam has a mole somewhere that is somewhere mysterious in a place to talk about in polite company. So yeah. I'm going with I'm going with her navel. I'm going butt cheek. Butt cheek navel. <laughs> so during this whole thing, um, like Robot Jack had like left the room because he's, you know, he's pissed. He's like sullen. He's like not kosher with this situation, like at all the way sort of Daniel and Sam seem to be. So Jack eventually like leaves and goes to find him who's and he's there sort of staring at the new not tilk that's being made. Tilk and goo. Yeah. <laughs> tilk so, and Hogan. This is another day where Tilk was like, I'm just going to take a nap. Yep. Covered in goo. Um, yeah. But he's, you know, his whole thing is like, I'm Jack. Why, why, why do you get to have my life when I am you? I am Jack. This is my life, but I don't get to have it anymore because I can't leave here because the whole power source thing and he's like, I was, you know, hoping they could just shove me back in my body. And Real Jack is like, well, it's occupied. Thank you very much. So Sam's are arguing about the meaning of life. And the Daniels are completely fascinated by this whole thing. But now the Jacks need to have a conversation because not Robot Jack knows everything that Organic Jack knows, including things like security codes and the defense systems that are available on Earth and all of that stuff. And Robot Jack is like, we'll bury the gate. It's fine. And you don't have to send the bomb. And Organotech is like, I wasn't going to. Yeah, yes, you were, because I'm you. You were going to send a bomb, but you don't have to. It'll be fine. 
Harlan then calls for Colonel O'Neill and Robot Jack says he'll go take care of it. And he finds Harlan on a catwalk waiting and he's like, yeah, Colonel O'Neill's getting ready to go home. And Harlan hopes that in time Jack can forgive him. And, you know, Jack gets it. He was just trying to survive and, you know, keep this place going. But also people aren't supposed to live forever. And Harlan's like, give it a few few hundred years. Maybe you'll change your mind. So, okay. So do you want to have that conversation here? Is immortality a gift? Well, I first have to point out that since I really pay attention to makeup in in stuff like I couldn't I did not enjoy the robot makeup on the side of his face like to be yeah. the the robot injury because it just like it's just uh, it's it just very looked like obviously he had, on top of his skin it is very like it just looked like they slapped it on with silly putty it's yeah. not like blended at all I just I did not enjoy it I did no. not <laughs> no no I yeah. did not either it was not very well done I don't it know yeah. Like I could probably do a better job. No, <laughs> we both could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So immortality. Immortality, yay or nay. <sighs> it's very great. I mean, I think the worst part about this episode was not just that they were going to end up being immortal, but the fact that they couldn't go home. Yeah. I mean, I think it could have been a way different story if they were just like machine bodies living their life on Earth. Right. And they, since there were two of them, you know, they had to put them like in the witness protection or something. <laughs> but, but I think it was the fact that they were stuck there and immortal. So they were looking at, we're going to be stuck in this dump forever. That was probably very daunting. But I don't know. In general, immortality, bah. Uh, I'm trying to think of like every other immort when when we typically meet immortal characters how old usually are they they're usually about like a thousand years old right yeah like that's usually and you know usually common pop cultures you know vampires and stuff right sexy kind of vampires sexy vampires that have been living for hundreds of years yeah but you know they're really actually not immortal immortal means you can't die they can die yeah so if at any point in time those robot bodies, you know, if if any of them are like, nope, I'm done, they could do what everybody else did and just go somewhere where their power source doesn't go. That yeah. actually, I mean, I think that actually provides some level of comfort. Being that, able that, you know, death is an option. That they're not really immortal. They just don't age. They're just, they're just not going to die of old age. Yeah. So, meh, mm. what, do you, what do you think? Uh, no, thank you. No. <laughs> like, my uh, my grandma who passed away last year, she lived to be, like, 98. And even that is just, like, that's, that's old. That's, I don't know if I could even deal with, like, a hundred, let alone a thousand. Not that I want to die, but also, oh, that's what if old. you What if you died very, very slowly and somehow you were able to make your lifespan 500 years. No. Mm-mm. No? No. No. <laughs> no, thanks. You'll take 90. Yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. I did want to look into once upon a time. I'm sure somebody has researched this before. What lifespan, like if you were to say somebody lived 85 years, mm-hmm. which 85 years in our history, would they have seen the most change? Oh, yeah. That, I, I, I'm quite certain that somebody has looked into this. And yeah. I think that'd be a fascinating concept. I mean, it would probably be the span that covered, you know, the Wright brothers' invention of the plane to we went to the moon. Because that was not that long of a period of time, really. Yeah. That'd probably be the coolest one mm-hmm. to live through, I think, would be interesting. Yeah. If anyone has ever seen anyone that looked into this, please let me know, because I definitely think it'd be fascinating. Yes. So we then cut to both SG-1s standing in front of the open gate saying goodbye, featuring Dan Shea as the back of Jack. So whenever you were looking over Jack's shoulder onto Jack's face, the mm-hmm. back is Dan Shea. They're saying goodbye. And you can. there's also one shot where at one point Christopher Judge just starts cracking up and they apparently didn't catch it in the edit 
the first I, would, I don't know why just Christopher Judge starts like laughing his ass off in the back it's 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 funny man I'm gonna look so, at it again I didn't even realize yeah. that yeah uh, rewatch again rewatch again Ugh. Yeah. yeah so they're all leaving Jack's like don't forget to bury the gates and get you know your face looked at because that that thing doesn't look good and robot Jack goes have a good life and then Jack just goes see ya the end. Okay, uh, memos for this week. Um, they're probably mm-hmm. going to create protocols to find out if the people that come back are human. <laughs> That's true. Just immediate x-rays for everybody when they come back now? Yeah. Protocols to figure out whether or not you're an android. Okay. Also, if you wait, if you normally wear glasses and you suddenly wake up and you can see perfectly fine without your glasses, that should be a hint that something is up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of weird that they never even addressed that. Yeah. That they that they made it a detail and never had him like take his glasses and be like, what? well, yeah, because apparently Harlan didn't make glasses; he just you know made bodies. So yeah. But yeah. He didn't even have them. Yeah. Okay, so episode title Tin Man, obviously you know most likely reference to Wizard of Oz. Which one of the discussion points I saw when I was looking into stuff is, do you think the episode title spoils what the twist of the episode is? That they're robots? Well, I don't really think that that does. But if you like click on the episode, the photo is Jack yeah. with the with, yeah. with the machine cheek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tin Man doesn't really spoil it, but that image does. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. Something, something's wrong. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, if I if I didn't see the image, I would have thought Tin Man was just referring to Harlan. Okay. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, here's another question that I saw discussed. Is this episode a tragedy? Oh. Oh, now you're getting Shakespearean. Now I'm getting, now I'm getting all Shakespearean on us. Is this a tragedy? Because you know they can't go home and they're stuck in, but they have all their memories of you know what their life was, and they know that that will never be their life again. What do you think? I mean, uh, yes, yes, I do think it is a tragedy because it was not their choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually going to hurt them having all of their memories of their previous lives because they're going to be missing it and wanting it and knowing that they can never get it back. Although it might motivate them to create those battery packs to be able to go somewhere, you right. know, figure out like, how do we get us home? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And the place that they're living now is, is below ground in a, in a, just a dump, an old, yeah. old not working dump. Yes. I do think it is a tragedy. Okay. Um, another definitely question. not a comedy. No, definitely not a comedy. Um, another discussion point. So mm-hmm. there were some comments about why did we decide to like cut this planet off from us? If this kind of technology is out there and the guy who's there is, you know, friendly, like he's not an enemy to us, wouldn't it be better for us to keep communication open with that planet and you know maybe give him other people he could make robot copies of and then he can teach us about the technology of making robot people and it would be beneficial for us to kind of thing because even if we don't make robot copies of people on earth there might be other uses for like such technology as you know like maybe you know artificial limbs and stuff that could come from that that's very true, I think. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, they were definitely quick on the draw to be like, nope, we're not going back. He's just going to kidnap us and replicate us. He's going to suck. We don't want that. Yeah, yeah. no. But, think, but, yeah, yeah, like, but once right. you find out, you know, what's going on and that this was not malicious. He had no malicious intent, at least, with the creating of the robot SG-1 and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it may have been better to not bury the gate and... Yeah, actually make friends with Harlan and maybe help him so he would help us in return. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that one. That's a good point. Um, So if you do decide to give this one another rewatch, you should play the drinking game for this episode, which is anytime he says, come try a or better take a drink and you will be (laughs) shit-faced in about 10 minutes. (laughs) 
like that one. Yeah. <laughs> did you actually do it? No, I didn't know. Because I have to no. make notes. I can't drink while I'm otherwise I yeah. won't make my notes and it'll be this 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 whole thing would just be gobbledygook. <laughs> you, you could have put it in your notes, drink, and then drink. he would <laughs> drink. <laughs> oh, I should have made no I should have like, yeah, how many how many drinks it would have been. But it's a lot. He's, he's, he says better a lot. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, all right. Any lingering questions, comments, concerns, or thoughts? Negatory. Nope. All righty. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for There But For The Grace Of God. Bye. Bye.